Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, a podcast with one host about one console. Xbox. I'm said host Jesse DeRosa and on today's episode we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of December 2nd 2021 including Razer is making the Xbox handheld that Microsoft won't, Rare's upcoming Everwild gets some new talent, the original Titanfall is going bye-bye from digital storefronts, and more. I hit the record button, so now everything I say, people can hear. That is, if they're listening. And if you are listening, welcome to episode 130 of Xbox On. And uh, might I just say, right now, on this fine Wednesday evening, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, sure wish I were hanging out with all my good buddies in VR chat right now. That's right. More on that later, but uh, I'm one of those weeby-ass VR chat cam girls now, so follow me. If you like. All right, real quick, guys, at the top of this show, I got to make a big announcement here because something's going on next week. And shut up. You're not smart. It's not Halo. So, ha, took took the steam out of your sail there. Took the wind out of your sail right there. God damn it. Fuck me. Okay, so a week from today, the day I'm recording this podcast, a little game by the name of Halo Infinite comes out. That's all well and great. Everyone's super hyped for it. That's not what I want to talk about. The day after Halo Infinite comes out is... Thursday, which is normally the day the podcast goes live, but something big is happening on Thursday night, and by big, I mean uh, the Video Game Awards are happening, where we will get a lot of really, really cool announcements sprinkled out in between all these obnoxious uh, Game Awards about, like, games that made me want to ch- uh, buy an additional controller for my PlayStation 5, or, or Game Awards for guys with cool hair that wear hoodies and play for esports leagues, and I'll be like, wow, I truly don't give a shit, but then they announce, like, fucking Outer Worlds 6, I'll be like, that's ballsy, they just skipped 2 through 5, but anyway, my point being is, we got a big day of announcements coming up for us next Thursday for the Game Awards, so... I want to let you guys know right now in advance, next week's episode of the podcast is going to be delayed by, so it will definitely come out next Friday, so only one day delay, but I can't guarantee it'll be up first thing Friday morning. So the good news, the way this works out for me personally is because I'm taking off most of next week to accommodate Halo Infinite's release. I'm going to be playing the fuck out of that, so fuck you work. I'm using my vacation days for that. So I'll be off most of next week, which makes this kind of more manageable for me than it otherwise would be. So what's going to happen is the Game Awards usually goes pretty late into Thursday night. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to just stay up real late recording a shit ton of podcasts that night after the Game Awards, and then Friday morning try to get everything out as soon as possible. might not be the 9 o'clock time that normally is but it might you know it probably won't be as late as like 2 or 5 p.m so just to let you know next week's episode will come out on friday instead of thursday and when it does come out friday it won't be the normal 9 a.m time it will probably be maybe closer to lunchtime or something like that but guys don't worry don't stress xbox on will still be out next week it's just you're just getting a little later but in exchange for the the patience and the extra weight you will get a much chunkier, beefier... Dude, can you imagine next week? I hope, aside from the Game Awards and Halo Infinite coming out, I, I hope literally nothing else happens in gaming next week or over the course of this next week because get, I, I know I'm going to get so fucking balls deep in talking about the Halo Infinite campaign and my initial impressions once we get to next week's episode. So between that and then all the inevitable news that gets piled up from the Game Awards, 
we're gonna have such a fucking chunky episode next week i i man it's exciting but it's a lot so mark that on your calendars i know it's very much is is of the utmost importance to you guys so if you're driving why don't you go ahead pull over to the side of the road put on your hazard lights whip out your iphone or your pad and pencil or whatever it is you use and make a reminder for yourself that xbox on will be going live sometime late morning early afternoon on friday next week as opposed to thursday morning at 9 a.m as it usually almost always does so with that out of the way guys with that very sad but yet exciting news out of the way let's jump into some corrections updates comments what have you for this week's episode you know not much as usual to correct because I simply don't fucking do anything wrong. I'm a goddamn genius. I'm like I'm like uh, the I'm like one of those guys that works at the Apple Store. Goddamn uh, genius. And uh, one thing I wanted to just talk about real quick. This is Xbox related. Isn't that crazy? So Black Friday occurred this past Friday, the day after Thanksgiving for us here in the United States, and. Like every Black Friday, you know, the big hot ticket items everyone was after was, you know, the, the big sexy TVs and the video game consoles and the and the iPads and all the cool technology, the virtual reality headsets, the big awesome techie shit. And so this was our first Black Friday where Xbox series consoles and PlayStation 5 were on the market and not in a, you know, not not the way it was last year where the consoles had just come out days prior to Black Friday. So it wasn't really, com- it w- wasn't, one, it wasn't really fair to compare their performance because no one could fucking get them a day after they released. And two, COVID, so Black Friday was pretty different last year. So this year's a, you know, definitely not a return to normalcy in that be- due to the supply shortage, it's very, very hard to get an Xbox or a PlayStation at any time of the year, but it is a lot more normal than it has been, you know, recently with a, with the ability to actually go into a store and with the ability to actually abandon your family for Thanksgiving dinner. So you can wait outside of Best Buy in hopes that you get a, a, a decent discount on an off-brand 4K TV, you know, that kind of thing. So anyway, the Xbox Series S, and this is on many accounts, was deemed or, or, or state, said to be the best-selling, the most popular console sold during Black Friday. And yes, let's try to... Yes, good for you, Microsoft. Congratulations. I'm glad you sold plenty of Xbox Series S consoles. That's fantastic. I saw a lot of this back and forth <laughs> over the past few days on, on social media where it was like people being like, well, Xbox Series S sold better than Switch or PlayStation 5 or any of the others because it was available and everything else was sold out. And then you see a lot of like these blind console war fanboys, which by the way, if you're one of these people, just fucking don't listen to Xbox on. You you annoy the fuck out of me. But, <laughs> but you know, these Xbox fanboys who are like, don't be jealous. Xbox Series S sold better because Xbox is superior, blah, 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 blah. You just can't let Xbox have a win. It's like, no, no, guys. This isn't console war shit. This is just simple economics. The supply for the Xbox Series S was there, and there was so much goddamn demand for video game hardware that people fucking bought the thing that was on sh- store shelves. What was not on store shelves? Nintendo Switch, OLED model. PlayStation 5, either version of it, Xbox Series X. None of that shit was available. Good fucking luck if you're one of the three people who actually got one of those things on Black Friday. What was available on store shelves? Xbox Series S. So that's why it fucking sold the best. It doesn't mean Xbox Series S is a poor selling console that no one wants. It doesn't mean PlayStation 5 is a better console and I'm a Sony fanboy. No, it just means the supply for the Xbox Series S was there 
And so the fucking consumers bought it. It's just as simple as that. Trust me, guys. Your Xbox fucking fanboy card isn't getting revoked. Poor Satya Nadella, one of the richest men in the entire fucking universe, isn't going to be butthurt over the fact that you have to just accept the simple economics of the situation. It's not a huge deal. Calm down. But, you know, in all fairness, I don't have any severe like Black Friday day of anecdotal evidence to supply or, or provide here because I didn't go out for Black Friday this year. I was I had to work. So I didn't I, I don't know. I can't speak to it. I can't say, well, I went to two GameStops and a few Best Buys and a Target and I saw this. No, but I will say this. I went to I ended up coincidentally going to like two or two Targets on this Sunday after Black Friday. So two days after Black Friday. And I will say both of the targets I went to had a healthy supply of Xbox Series S consoles in stock. Zero Series Xs, zero PS5s, zero Switches of any skew, but like maybe six or seven Series S consoles at each target that I went to. Um, Also, I saw a lot of the Elite Series 2 controllers in stock as well. So again, I love Xbox. I enjoy playing Halo, The fact that I'm willing to admit that I saw a lot of Xbox Series S consoles available for purchase at Target retail locations across the United States of America does not mean I don't enjoy playing Halo and uh, and do an Xbox podcast for hobby because I enjoy the brand and the community. Uh, It just means... I'm not lying to you about what fucking happened this past weekend. So I don't know why this is even a point of contention for people, but this is just the simple fact. It it, it seems like through data from a lot of sources, as well as a lot of anecdotal evidence from people on Twitter and social media and myself and my own experience, it just seems like there was a lot of Xbox Series S consoles to go around. Also, I saw the Series S on sale at BestBuy.com like a week ago and... And I, I mean, I'm pretty sure they're still fucking in stock now. I mean, I could check right now. You might be able to buy one right this minute on like Amazon or something. So guys, it's awesome that the Xbox Series S was available enough that people could buy it. The most important thing here is that there are now people who are able to get their hands on a new Xbox console. That's what we should be focused on. That's great. More players get to play these awesome games. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I don't know what to tell you, man. I, I'm pretty sure if the, if the, if the shelves were plenty stocked with every console on the market right now um the best-selling hardware probably would have been like ps5 and switch i'm sorry that's just probably the truth but whatever good for xbox they get they get to win that little marketing or that little uh they get to win that little optical battle this black friday because of the fact that they had more consoles on store shelves now another thing i want to talk about some really something really cool that that posted this uh week Microsoft released the live action trailer for Halo Infinite ahead of the game's release coming next week, next next Wednesday. God damn it, cannot come soon enough. Now, I have said I'm going dark on any and all information on Halo Infinite until the game launches, but this doesn't count because this is just a Halo tradition is the live action trailer they do for the game when it's new. And it doesn't show gameplay. It's not a thing. It's just, you know, it's just a live action trailer to sell you on the game. And in typical Halo fashion, the trailer was pretty freaking cool. Uh, This one is titled Forever We Fight. And the trailer, you should go watch it. It's like two minutes and it's pretty, pretty neat. It shows like it shows like some someone fighting, you know, being being heroic and putting their life on the line in the middle of like the Revolutionary War and then in World War Two and then like in like um desert storm kind of fight and then like a future fight and then master chief fighting the uh the banished on zeta halo and it's just to kind of like tell the story of like you know war is like this endless cycle that just keeps happening and we always 
always fighting, and then there's always these heroes that are willing to put their lives on the line or go above the call of duty to, uh, you know, save the day. And so it's, it's a pretty cool cinematic little little trailer to give you a, to give you a taste to set some tone for what this game is like to you know. And I I just think it's fucking cool. You should go watch it if you uh, are subscribed to YouTube.com. You can watch it there now. With that out of the way, I do want to have one more little update here. Some good news for those of you uh, who are potentially frustrated, some sexual frustration about the Halo Infinite Battle Pass progression system. I know people like myself have kind of mostly put the game down, just like, hey, you know what? I'll wait for them to fix this a little bit, and when the game is properly out on December 8th, I'll go all in on it, but uh, I'm not I'm not dealing with this bullshit right now with the progression system being less than stellar and with people just bitching and moaning. So, hey, here's a little update. So, starting now, they've changed it to where instead of just getting a blanket 50 XP for every match you complete in multiplayer, you now get a different amount of XP for the first seven matches you play every day. Or six matches, I believe. Six or seven. And then after those six or seven matches, then it goes to the 50 XP per match. So, for the first match you play every day, you'll get a 300 XP match completion allotment or award. And then on match two, you get 200 XP. Then on match three, you get 100 XP. And then on match four, five, and six, you also get 100 XP. After that, it bumps down to the 50 and stays at 50 until the next day where it resets. So, I mean, that means within your first six or seven games, you're already getting five, six, seven, eight, nine, you know, nine to 900 to 1,000 or whatever XP um, from off those six or seven games, whereas before it was, you know, seven games is 50 XP a pop. So a substantially large amount of XP. I think this is very good and very helpful for those people who just want to level up on the battle pass simply by just playing the game and not necessarily relying on challenges. So that is a great change to see here. I still think this is just kind of a stopgap solution while they work on a proper overhaul of the progression system because even though this is nice and it does somewhat remedy the situation of of like, hey, I bought this battle pass, but I'm just not making any progress in it, this will definitely help ramp and speed that up for players. The thing it doesn't remedy is 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 my biggest complaint with this, which is that Leveling up, unlocking more content in the battle pass, these kinds of things are more fun and more gratifying when the progression is a response to your performance. So this is still, you know, you could be the worst player on the team, you get 300 XP that first match. That first match, you could be the best player on the team, you get 300 XP that first match. No disparity at all. It is cool when you know it's like, hey, that triple kill I got helped me get more XP, or hey, that you know from the grave grenade kill I got, got me that extra XP, you know, that grapple hook move there where I, you know, I, I grapple hook some motherfucker's face and punched him in the nuts, you know, that got me extra XP. You want that shit to count, you know, your kill atrocities and things like that. So I still think that's really the the ultimate goal is to overhaul it to the point. But I think it's more complicated than people are thinking a little bit because it means they totally have to rewire the way the challenges work and the way the battle pass works and the... XP allotment and scaling work. So I understand to change it in that regard would be a little more complicated. I'm sure that's why it's not something we're going to see immediately. But I think in the meantime, just as a stopgap to kind of keep players, you know, at attention and keep them engaged with the game, this is a pretty nice uh, intermediate solution. So there you go. Hopefully that makes this a little easier for some of you guys. I know, I know it, it, it cheers me up quite a bit, although I don't think it's a perfect solution. But guys, progress. It's slow and steady, but hey, it's here. So that's pretty cool. Now, with all of that out of the way, guys, we're done with our little opening wrap, our opening updates and touch-ups and things we want to talk about and thoughts and feelings that I have. 
And so with that out of the way, guys, I want to jump into your thoughts and feelings, which we can get into on our comment section. You know how it works, y'all. You go over to YouTube.com. Of course, if you're subscribed to YouTube, you go to YouTube.com. You click on uh, the Xbox on podcast or even better yet, you can do YouTube.com slash C slash Xbox on podcast. Enter that bitch and boom, you're at my channel. Hit, hit subscribe while you're there. Uh, and then the reason why you're going to want to hit subscribe is because I'm desperate for um, like why? why 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 are we why are we still not at a thousand my goal was to hit a thousand subscribers on youtube by the end of the year and we're high into the 800s i'm here like what the fuck am i doing a bad job of plugging myself don't make me do that thing i used to do where i put the onus on you because i can blame you just as easily for my shortcomings if i want to now anyway leave a comment on the latest episode of the podcast you can say something really sweet like jesse I, I love how even though the situation with Halo Infinite right now is kind of grim for a lot of players, you continue to try and have an optimistic perspective. You try and be positive about this game that you know is a great game at its core, and you try to keep things light because, you know what, at the end of the day, games are about having fun. We're here because we're all Xbox gamers who enjoy this brand, and we just want to have a good time. Thank you so much for keeping it real, but also keeping it keeping it happy and, 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 and hopeful and fun in tone. And I'll say, that is such a sweet comment. I don't even necessarily believe what you're saying, but that is a very sweet comment. But you could also be a total asshole. You could be just a total piece of shit. You could comment in and say, Jesse, I don't even know how tall you are in real life because I've never even been next to you, but you sound like a very short person. And I want you to be insecure about that. In fact, I want you to be so insecure about that that I hope every time you go to see your favorite brand, band, Yellow Card, live in concert, you're so short that you can't even get a good view of the, of the band. Oh, wait, that's right. Your favorite band, Yellow Card, broke up in 2016. So fuck you. Uh, you don't even get to see your favorite band live in concert, you short little sack of shit. And I'll say, goddamn, you got all my insecurities in one go and i'll start choking up and crying but god damn it we have a podcast to do and i can't i can't let that stop me so our first comment here comes from ea's king who says turkey is tasty we only bought a leg because if we buy the full turkey it's going to rot in the refrigerator okay ea's king stop real quick i don't know what your family looks like but in my head for some reason i picture there's you there's a mom and there's a dad I don't know what the combination is like. I don't know how many siblings there are. I don't know any of the other stuff. That is all just inferring on my part. Apologize in advance if I am uh, just totally butchering your family makeup. But here's 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 the thing: is let's assume it's just those three people. Why the fuck is a is a, is a single turkey leg enough to feed your whole family? Are you infants? Is what I want to know, EA's King. Are all of your family members infants that you have the appetite? That's not even true because infants eat a lot. So what are, what are you that you guys can can get full and still have an excess of a single fucking turkey leg? And or, because I know you are Canadian, EA's King, is it that in Canada your turkey legs are just so goddamn gargantuan that my tiny American brain is over here thinking of a traditional American Thanksgiving turkey dinner and you're over here talking about a Canadian turkey, which is, of course, you know, a, a, a turkey leg the size of roughly two football fields. So what is what is it here, EA's King? Are you and your family just a bunch of just a bunch of of, of I don't know uh, what's something that doesn't eat a lot? God damn it. Uh, small, inanimate uh, plush dolls that you can't finish a single turkey leg or. Are Canadian turkeys just that goddamn big? Please let me know. Mr. Miggy, speaking of Thanksgiving, says, I had chicken lasagna for Thanksgiving. As for fast food uh, conversation, all fast food restaurants are quick service restaurants, but not all quick service restaurants are fast food restaurants. Stop. Mr. Miggy, that is exactly true. That is a circle rectangle kind of comparison. I think it's absolutely correct. 
Chicken lasagna for Thanksgiving sounds significantly better than turkey, by the way, so props to you. But, um, yeah, I, I, I agree. So in, in relation to the Nando's conversation, which we're about to get a little in-depth with again, I got to say yes. And, and maybe I, it was a failure on my part to not make this point, but yes. So like a restaurant like Panera Bread or Five Guys or like Pollo Tropical or, you know, whatever. That's like quick service because you go in the counter, you order it, your food's out in like, in like five minutes, whatever. You can take it to go, whatever. Quick service, fast food. It's like slightly better than fast food quality, but still like pretty bad for you, whatever. Fast food is like drive through McDonald's, grab and go, two minute time and you're in and out, all that shit. But here's the problem is I think that concept is simple enough for some people, you know, they think, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Five guys, that's quick service, but Burger King, that's fast food. I can, I can, I can differentiate the two and understand that. But then there are those restaurants that really try to gunk it all up, that just try to fucking ruin it for everyone. Because, like I said, Panera Bread, well, that is quick service and not fast food, but they have a drive-through like like fast food. So what is the differentiating factor that, you know, that 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 separates a quick service restaurant from a fast food restaurant. That's what I want to know. That's a question I want to put out there into the universe. I don't want to know what happens when we die. I don't want to know why we're put on this earth. I don't want to know why bad things happen to good people. None of that shit matters to me. I want to know what is the differentiating factor. Like we know that quick service restaurants are fast food restaurants, but not all fast food restaurants are quick or rather we know that all fast food restaurants are quick service restaurants, but not all quick service are fast food. But why? What is the specific indicator? What is the one thing we can point to to identify this difference? That's, that's, I mean, I mean, that's why I'm running on three hours of sleep right now, if you want to know the honest to God truth. But, Mr. Miggy, you also say, how do I feel about the Duke control? You say, I finally fixed the drift on mine and plan to use it full time now. Now, I assume you're talking about the Xbox Duke controller that they released like three or four years ago that can be used on the Xbox One and Xbox Series consoles. I don't have one. I never bought one. I haven't used an Xbox Duke controller since like, I don't know, like 2002 or something. So how do I feel about the Duke? I'll be I'll be really honest with you. I don't have the nostalgia for the Duke controller that a lot of other Xbox gamers do. Now, I played Xbox OG back in the day. I played it before 360 came out. I definitely had Xbox experiences and memories with the original Xbox. But my real affinity for Xbox really does start with the 360. So while I am familiar with the Duke controller and what a fucking mess of a thing that was and then you know later the revised slimmer smaller more reasonable size controller while i am familiar with all that really the xbox 360 is where i start to get like my true xbox nostalgia so i don't have much to say on the duke other than i'm glad we've moved on past that and i feel like xbox was so i feel like the team at xbox was so insecure about what a fucking crazy mess the duke controller was that they made it their business to for the rest of forever make sure Xbox has the best controllers ergonomically, and I think they've absolutely succeeded in that. For as cool as the PS5 controller is with the haptics and all that, the DualSense is quite an impressive controller. I still think Xbox, to this day, has the best ergonomics uh, for their controller, the best feeling controller. God damn it, offset analog sticks or die. I I fucking mean it. But yeah, I mean, the Duke controller, I I don't have strong opinions on it. I, I know that's like such a thing for Xbox fans. I just... The Duke controller just doesn't really mean much or represent much to me. Does that make me a fake Xbox fan? Does that mean I should turn this podcast off right now and go buy a PlayStation 5? I don't know. You tell me, but I don't 
you know, I'm glad I'm glad people do love it. I do think it is cute and fun that it is this thing that is like it was so ridiculous at the time that now in retrospect fans just endear it, you know, and kind of have a weird nostalgia for it. I do think that is cool. But uh, I, I don't know. I just feel like that's I'm not a part of that, if that makes sense. Getting back to what actually matters here. Daniel Atkinson writes in about Nando's and says, longtime listener, first time commenter. Well, thank you, Daniel. Glad to have you here. By the way, Daniel, did I ever tell you? No, I didn't. But I'm telling you right now, my middle name is Daniel. And I spent my whole life always telling my mom, I wish my name was Daniel Jesse instead of Jesse Daniel, because I don't like the name Jesse. But I guess it's not a problem for you since your mom named you Daniel. Fucking asshole no 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 take it back first time commenter don't 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 swear at him daniel welcome <laughs> you say nando's is almost a religion here in the uk and i would easily say it's our most beloved fast food quote unquote i also went to the rainforest cafe at euro disney last week hey they call it they call it disneyland paris now apparently that's offensive to call it euro disney i don't know why whatever anyway you went last week based on my recommendation of the u.s rainforest cafes at disney here in florida you say, it was disappointing. Maybe I'm comparing it too much to our beloved Nando's. All hail the Nando's. Do you guys say Nando's or Nando's? I'm, whatever, who gives a shit? Okay, we get it. You guys love it in Europe. And I'm not personally offended that you were disappointed by the Rainforest Cafe. I can't imagine the French have any fucking clue how to properly handle the delicacy of the Rainforest Cafe menu. So it doesn't surprise me that they fucked it up, probably. But... What does surprise me is that you're here, and, and of course, I've never been to Nando's, so yes, I'll, I'll be transparent about that, but how are we comparing Nando's to Rainforest Cafe? Rainforest Cafe is not a fast food restaurant. It's not a quick service restaurant. It is a casual family sit-down themed, themed restaurant, okay? So very different category here. We're talking about the themed casual family, touristy, wacky, maybe one and done kind of restaurant deal, and I can't help it if you didn't like it. You know what I'm you, you you know what I mean because I've taken people to the Rainforest Cafe for the first time. I've taken them to the T-Rex Cafe for the first time and almost every time the people that go to eat there with me walk away with the same reaction which is wow. I picture this place would just be really shitty, loud, obnoxious, overpriced, mediocre, you know, theme park food based on, you know, the way the restaurant looks and everything, but the food is actually surprisingly good for what it is. And that's almost always the response I get when I go to this this restaurant with people. So maybe the problem is that the French don't know how to handle the Rainforest Cafe menu, probably. But maybe the problem is that you didn't go with me, and so your eyes were not open to the proper Rainforest Cafe experience. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't know. It's like someone gave you an Xbox 360 with Kinect and Star Wars Kinect and was just it was just like, oh man, you never played Xbox? Well, here you go. Let me know what you think. And you're just like, oh shit. I hate Xbox because someone tried to poison me with Star Wars Connect, and then I'm like, no, 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 no. You don't like Xbox because someone fucking backstabbed you. What you need to do is play Halo 3 and or Sonic Unleashed to get the full effect of why this console's so great. So think about it like that. Now, Daniel, I'll, I'll, I'll let it go this time. And I'll take your word for it that Nando's is fantastic. I will make it my duty to try it at one point in this future. I'd love to go to the UK. I'd love to go. I'd love to go to Australia. Um, I'd love to go to Chicago, where apparently they have one. I don't fucking know. Wherever it is, I end up where there is a Nando's. I hope to get to eat there because I really do want to be able to provide 
more context to the conversation and to and join in on the fun because more more of you say it's great than than say otherwise and and I want to see from your perspective what makes it so special just like how I'm sure you want to understand what makes Rainforest Cafe so special from my perspective. Now, as a side note, I will say as a quick little wrap up, they do have a Rainforest Cafe at the Disney in Tokyo, Japan. And there is a very, very high chance, high probability that that would be the best Rainforest Cafe because the Japanese just do everything better. Um, but then again, I have checked out the Google reviews for the Rainforest Cafe at Tokyo Disney, and they don't seem great. But then again, what do, you know? What are they know? Google reviews? You know, I'm not gonna. Whatever. I'm going to go there and find out for myself. So I will report back on that as well. Now, moving on to video games, if you must. Let's talk about this game called GTA. ERNC05 writes in and says, It's cool to have remastered games from our childhood and for younger gamers to enjoy. But where the hell is GTA 6? My goodness, has Rockstar not sucked GTA 5 dry yet? It's been eight freaking years. All right, man. First of, first of all, I want to... I want to congratulate you on being the first person to be like, yo, where's GTA 6 in a climate where everyone's like, hey, this remastered trilogy fucking sucks. They took my money and ran. I feel like I got ripped off. So that's funny, in my opinion. Second of all, I don't know, man. Here's the thing. It's so easy to point the finger at 2K and at Rockstar and be like, guys, where's GTA 6? Why do you just keep re-releasing Grand Theft Auto 5 and putting out more content for GTA online? Like GTA 6, what the fuck? It's been forever. I agree. I get it. I get it. It makes sense. But here's the problem is you got to understand from their perspective, Grand Theft Auto 5 is still charting on NPD. Grand Theft Auto 5 or Grand Theft Auto Online rather is still making shit tons of money every fucking day for no goddamn reason because there are people who are playing Grand Theft Auto 5 like it is World of Warcraft, playing Grand Theft Auto 5 like it is Fortnite, playing Grand Theft Auto 5 like it is, I don't know, what's another game that, that's been going on forever and ever? I don't know, like like it's Grand Theft Auto 5. And for whatever reason, they just can't justify pulling the plug on GTA 5 and just putting on a GTA 6 when it's like, hey, why would we get in the way of this? thing right it's like think about among us remember i don't know i guess i don't know how widely known this is i assume it's pretty well known but among us was going to get an among us too they were in the process of developing a sequel to among us uh, because the game had actually been out for like a year or at least quite a while uh, before the game actually popped and started blowing up and so when the game did start like randomly just kind of exploding and picking up in popularity they had to cancel uh, among us too because they're like okay well among us is so freaking popular and it's making so much money all of a sudden that like we kind of got to focus our development efforts in supporting this game with new content and you know meeting players where they're at which is this first game so among us two got canceled and so grand theft auto is gta 5 is different from other games in the gta series because of gta online the reason why they went from halo 2 to halo 3 to halo 4 to halo 5 is because at some point halo stopped selling copies you know halo stopped microsoft stopped making shit tons of money off selling copies of halo 2 and halo 3 and halo 4 and that's why we got sequels and that's the traditional way in which games are made grand theft auto 5 won't stop fucking making money there are games that are coming out today that are brand new games in the fall of 2021 that are not selling as well as grand theft auto 5 which came out in september 2013 it is ridiculous that game survived the xbox 360 the xbox one and now the xbox series x and there's no sign of slowing down now 
The rumor is they're working on GTA 6. It is well in development, whatever. I think because of the way Grand Theft Auto Online made them so rich, they have to reapproach the way they make Grand Theft Auto games. First of all, the success of GTA Online just extended the, the lifespan of that game full stop. Second of all, doesn't mean we're not going to get a GTA 6, but I think they really had to go back to the drawing board after finally deciding, okay, let's make another Grand Theft Auto game. What? How do we need to reimagine this series? Because making it like a single player story based whatever, like GTA 3 and 4 and 5, whatever, is not necessarily the smartest way to go about this when the thing that really was drawing players and keeping players engaged and, and, and making the money flow in was the online component. So I think they're going to try to reimagine Grand Theft Auto to be more of a game of a, as a service and less of a single player story adventure game and I think that's another reason why GTA 6 is kind of just in this development purgatory now is the game coming I think it's inevitable is it going to be next year no probably not but I, I I don't know what to tell you it's Rockstar is one of those developers they they talk when they're ready to talk they they release a game when they're ready to release a game and yeah I just don't you'll hear from them when they're ready to talk it's just how it goes just like Red Dead Redemption 2 they they're like, hey, we have a, a trailer and a release date. Now we will announce what we've been working on. And that's probably where we are with GTA 6. Hopefully it is in the next, I would say next two years. I'd say maybe I'd say maybe 2023. Now back to Halo real quick. We have a handful of uh, Halo shit talk comments. EA's King comes back and says, Jesse, I fail to comprehend. Why would 343 add a cat helmet? It's a cat helmet with cat ears. And uh, to that, I just say, well, better than a cat helmet with dog ears. My brother Josiah writes in and says, A lot of challenges on Counter-Strike have multiple ways to complete them, like win match or get a total of 30 kills. I think this could help Halo, like win one stronghold match or play three. Wait, what? How is this? Oh, I see what you're saying. So they're basically challenges that are like the challenges that already exist in Halo Infinite, but it's like two challenges in one where you can approach it in either an A or B manner. So the reason why I think they wouldn't go for that is because they want to have the challenge swap thing, which you use if you're the kind of person who wants to swap challenges often, and then it entices you to buy more challenge swaps, which is a way of monetizing the game. So that's the only reason I think why they wouldn't do that. But I mean, if they want to just be super consumer friendly and still do both of those things. Maybe they would. It would greatly decrease the amount of challenge swaps people buy and use. But again, it would be a very consumer friendly way to do it I, I mean i think most people would agree that'd be nicer than what we currently have and dead captain james writes in and says the progression system is literally the worst i've seen in multiplayer in any in any multiplayer game no hyperbole it's that bad the game is fun as hell though but i still don't want to play until the progression system is fixed now dead captain james commented in with that days before the announcement that happened today with the new xp system so i dead captain james let us know do you feel better about it now or or is it is it still like a, mm, I'm not happy about it, but that's slightly better because I, I am curious. Dead Captain James, at the end of the day, I want you to be the happiest boy out there. Um, just because you're dead and you're a captain doesn't mean you can't be a happy boy. And I want your happiness. Now, speaking of EA's King, which we weren't just speaking of, EA's King writes in and says, Jesse, you keep calling me EA's King. Well, that's because on some platforms, your name is EA's King. And on some platforms, your name is AE's King. And you know what? I think for obvious reasons, it's easier to remember EA over AE because we are a podcast about video games where electronic arts is very relevant, but we are not a podcast about uh, clothing retailers, which is why American Eagle would not be a suitable alternative. Shout out to the three people who just connected the dots and understand what the fuck I'm saying. And then 
Henley Merrill writes in and says, checking out Raising Cane's in Reno, Nevada before heading back home to California. Henley, please, please, please report back. I would love to hear. We don't have many uh, Raising Cane commenters and fighters out there these days, so I need you to report back and let us know how it, how it goes. I genuinely want to hear about that. And finally, we have a commenting from the one and only Headhunting Halo, who says, Jesse, hope you ate a lot of Thanksgiving... F- Fat, uh, fat ass, but on a serious note, I took out the turkey neck out of my turkey and damn uh, uh, first thing I thought was bestiality. Then all of a sudden, I wanted a grilled cheese burrito from Taco Bell. What the fuck is wrong with me? Hate that they put a cap on these quests. I feel like I get them done by Saturday, but then I'm bored three days because I only get 50 XP. They really need to do match XP. Ridiculous. I had to play 20 matches to level up today. Now that's obviously an older comment from a few days ago, so it doesn't count the new, you know, the new system. I went to Taco Bell and bought brought it home put it in the put it on the counter to goo drop a spooky dookie came back and my fucking dog was in my bag it's dead dog now jk keep up the good work jesse love that kitty cat but seriously was my golden bag pissed me off have a good week come on december 8th headhunting halo i just gotta say i feel like i understand everything you're saying in these comments despite them just being an incoherent rambling mess But please, for the sake of our listeners, for the sake of those who are trying to simultaneously balance a checkbook while they listen to Xbox on, can you just grammar it up a little bit so that it's easier for, you know, easier on the ears, as they say. I don't mean to be rude. I I, I say that with all the love there is to to have for a headhunting halo. I do love you. I do appreciate your support. I love your comments. You are always a welcome member of of this podcast. But please... Grammar, install some Grammarly to your computer. That's all I'm asking. To your Windows 10 and or 11 PC. Now, that's going to do for all of our comments and shoutouts and whatnot from this week. But, guys, remember, for next week, don't be shy. Reply. Next, let's jump into what I've been playing. But before I can tell you about what I've been playing, i got to tell you about what I've been eating. And, guys, it's the week following Thanksgiving. So what the fuck do you think I've been eating? Prime rib. No, we're not going to get too deep into this because even though, you know, last week was Thanksgiving, eh, we're pretty far removed from Thanksgiving. So it's, it's just, it just seems like we're a year. It, rather than it sounding like we're a day, rem, you know, a day or two removed from Thanksgiving, it sounds more like we're a year removed from next year's Thanksgiving at this point. You know what I mean? Like there's a point after every holiday where it's like yesterday was Christmas. Two days ago was Christmas. Three days ago was Christmas. And then on day four, it's like, Christmas isn't for another year. Shut the fuck up about Christmas. You know, that happens with every holiday. At one point, it's no longer X holiday just passed. And it's now like X holiday is very far away. So don't talk about it. So that's kind of how I feel about Thanksgiving already. Now that it has been, you know, at the time this podcast is going live a full week removed, not to mention our Canadian friends had their Thanksgiving in October. So this is extremely dated for them. Not to mention most of our friends internationally don't even have Thanksgiving of any shape or form, any kind, any variety. So we're just talking about nothing to our insular little our, our little bubble, and that's just not very fair. But I will say, my girlfriend and I did a little a little personal Thanksgiving. We didn't have any friends or family uh, this year, so it was pretty easy to do the cooking, which is nice. It was pretty uh, low key. There was no like commitment to it or anything. So we we did a Sam's Club Steakhouse dinner. We got prime rib from Sam's Club. I got super fucking excited about prepping it days before and salting it and curing it and drying it and cooking it and all the shit. And guys, I really thought I was going to fuck this up, but my prime rib turned out beautifully. It was so goddamn good. We got some Sam's Club mashed potatoes, some Sam's Club mac and cheese, some Sam's Club tuxedo chocolate layer cake, and everything was 
as as the IGN critics say, fucking fuego. It was so good. So that was my Thanksgiving. No turkey for me this year. I've been trying to get away from turkey, trying to, you know, just keep my figure. Turkey's a little too lean for me. So that's that. Uh, I, I am curious, though, if you'd like to share what you had for Thanksgiving, do feel free to write in because I am curious about what you guys are eating. You know I'm very, very personally concerned about everyone's uh, uh, diet. That's something I just take a great a great amount of responsibility for as someone who constantly says Taco Bell every other thir- every third word like, like it's some fucking um, – uh, gorilla fucking marketing thing here anyway the other thing and more important thing i want to talk about is this past weekend this saturday to be precise um was the day i finally found a japanese restaurant in the state of florida the city of orlando that didn't break my heart that didn't let me down now for context i've been talking on and off on this podcast for maybe a year plus about how every time i try a new japanese restaurant in florida it's just like it ranges from like that was okay but overpriced to like that was bad. Why do people like this? I've tried, man, God, ramen alone. I've tried like six places. Uh, Japanese food in general, I have tried a handful of places. But this past weekend, I finally found the place. You know, I God, the place we went to for our anniversary a few months ago was like stupid fucking overpriced, and it was fine. But like, I would never go back there for that kind of money. But God, this place, this place I found this weekend. Checked all the boxes. Let me just stop teasing. The place is called Sushi Kichi, K-I-C-H-I. Let me let me say it. Sushi Kichi, in case you guys are all currently in the UK or Germany or Mexico or wherever you're listening from thinking, hang on a second, Jesse, I'm booking a flight to Orlando, Florida right now. What's that called? Sushi Kichi? Okay. Sushi Kichi is a local little Japanese restaurant, no frills, which is what I fucking love because there's only, I don't know where, how it is for you guys in other places that aren't Japan <laughs> to all of our one Japanese listeners. But, um, no, but seriously, there's this massive problem with Japanese food in general in this country. At least I can speak to this country because this is where I've eaten Japanese food where every Japanese restaurant falls under one of two categories. It either goes the a hipster route, which is where it's like, oh man, we just want to do like an authentic Japanese style. And it's like some hipster restaurant where like they eat yakitori, which is just like meat skewers, which are just supposed to be cheap and easy. And they just charge like $7 for a goddamn bite of chicken breast on a, on, on a skewer, you know, or, or they do like sushi, which is again, supposed to be pretty casual, accessible food, but it's like $25 for a goddamn a plate of three pieces of sashimi or whatever and some hipster restaurant where it's like super up like urban and hip but also like kind of modern and minimalist and theming and everything's just like five times the price it should be and it's just a bunch of white people trying to mansplain Japanese culture to you and I know this because I worked in one of these restaurants for a very long time but also because as someone who just tries to eat a lot of Japanese food this is like 50% of the Japanese restaurants you will find it's always so fucking weird and these restaurants are generally pretty actually good in terms of food but it's just I hate the hipster vibe I hate the prices on the menu it's never like the kind of place you want to go more than once because god I mean you have to be fucking Jeff Bezos to afford it but then the other type of Japanese restaurant type B is kind of the opposite but in the worst way so it is significantly more affordable which is like, oh, awesome. If this place is good, I can go here often. It is usually a lot more intentional with the theming, which is like, oh, I love theming. That's great. 
But here's the problem. It's always some fucking place where the food kind of sucks, kind of tastes like microwave ramen or something like that. And the, the, the restaurant is like top to bottom covered in like Naruto and anime and Funko Pop and like and Funimation on the TV screen. And it's just a bunch of fucking sweaty kids that go to like anime conventions and they're just like, hi, omakase or, or konnichiwa. And you're just like fucking want to eat a goddamn bowl of fucking katsu without a bunch of sweaty kids trying to tell me what hentai is but no you can't have that it's always a or b japanese pop culture shoved in your face at a cheap price with bad food or hipster white people trying to explain japanese culture to other white people for an exorbitant price but the food is surprisingly pretty good and i know it's a really long-winded way of saying this but i'm passionate about the japanese issue the japanese prop food issue in this in this country this Sushi Kichi is one of those rare places where it's like just not that. You go inside, the prices are like eight to fifteen dollars a person, so it's like, oh my god, I can afford to eat here. And if the food's good, I might even be able to afford to come here a second time. And then the menu's like just straightforward. It's like food. It's like here are here are like don bowls with like sashimi. So if you want to get your sushi fix, there's that. Here's like just some basic kitchen food. You want some takoyaki or some gyoza or some, you know, whatever. Just simple Japanese fucking kitchen food. And then some rice bowls for like other shit, like like katsu or like, you know, beef bowls, pork bowls, whatever it is you want. Or a simple bowl of ramen, a simple bowl of, of udon soup, whatever it is. It's just really basic, straightforward, no frills. But here, here's the beauty. The pricing is great. The food tastes great. The people that work there are normal and they don't try to sell you on a fucking cult. And you sit down, you eat your ramen, and you don't feel embarrassed because you're not covered by fucking anime girls with big titties trying to rub like little rabbits and PlayStation Vita commercials all over you. You're just like, God damn it. How come every time I get a hankering for, for ramen, I have to feel like a fucking pervert? No, none of that involved in this restaurant. You just go there, go up to the counter, you order a fucking rice bowl, you pay your $10, the, the person at the counter treats you like a human being. You eat your fucking food. You go, that was delicious. And you move on with your life. And I've just been dying for this kind of restaurant. It's just so fucking good. And so I went with my buddy Hunter. Shout out to Hunter. Today's his birthday. Everybody say happy birthday, Hunter. I'll wait. I know a couple of you didn't say it, so I'll wait. Okay, so happy birthday, Hunter. And we went there together on Saturday. And it was, it was great. It was, In fact, it was so great. I felt bad that I went there without my girlfriend. So the next day... I go back there again with my girlfriend. So I ate there two days in a row. And guess what? Two days in a row, none of the food was boring or redundant, although I ordered all different items the second day. And it was cheap enough that I could eat at the same restaurant two days in a row, and it was like the price of like going to one restaurant on one day. And it was just so pleasant, so nice, and I'm just so relieved at this point to tell you I have found a local Japanese restaurant I can go to if I'm in the mood for good Japanese food and I don't got to feel like a weeb, and I don't got to get a bank loan to eat there, and it's just everything's good, everything's right in the world, I can move on with my life, and so that's what I've been eating, guys, but that wasn't a one and done, because Sushi Kichi, I will be back, I'll be back for more, you can mark my fucking words, I'm so sorry if your, fa- if, if your staff found me to be repulsive, because you will be seeing me in your establishment for many, many, many times in, 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 the, in the days and weeks and years to come, so guys, that's what I've been eating, but more importantly, you're probably thinking... That Japanese food sounds so good. I got, I got to know what he's been what he's been playing on his Xbox. Well, I'll answer you, fucking idiot. And uh, would you be surprised if I told you I've been playing Halo Infinite? Yeah, <laughs> I, I know. Uh, X, newsflash, Xbox gamer playing Halo Infinite uh, amid game release. Okay, 
Halo Infinite, I, I don't know what to say. I am still minimizing my time with this game, and I can't believe that's those are words that are coming out of my mouth. But I don't know what it is about Halo Infinite. I feel so bad. I feel like I feel like a liar because I've just been talking for years on this podcast about Halo Infinite. I can't wait for the next Halo. I love Halo. Did you ever know that if I don't have any tattoos, but if I were to get one, it would probably be Master Chief like on my crotch because I fucking love that guy so much? Yet here we are. Halo Infinite is finally out, or at least the multiplayer. And I'm just not feeling like I want to play Halo on endless repeat and nothing else. In fact, I feel guilty about it. I feel bad about it. I feel like a fake Halo fan. But, you know, you can't force it if you're not feeling it. And so I've been playing a little bit of Halo almost every day. But usually when I do play, I play for like 30 minutes to an hour and that's it. And so I'm still only like rank 13 on the battle pass. Not very impressive. I'm not working too hard at the uh, challenges. And yeah, when we stream on Twitch, you know, twitch.tv slash extreme, we're streaming Halo. Cool. But I'm still kind of feeling like I want to work on, you know, that Call of Duty Vanguard battle pass because I'm at the end of it. And unlike Halo, the battle pass in Call of Duty is actually pretty easy to progress in. So I'm, you know, I'm like level 90 on that. So I just want to finish up grinding at that battle pass. Still enjoying playing some zombies for fun while I listen to my podcasts. So that's another thing I've been doing. And then uh, other than that, here's where it gets really, really bad because I'm trying to get all my video game shit under control so that next week when Halo Infinite's campaign comes out and I'm truly ready to shut down everything in my life, take some time off work and just play Halo and nothing else, right You know, right before that happens, Mavsman, you know, shout out to Mavsman, you may, may be familiar with that name, listen to the show, comments in sometimes. Well, Mavsman is talking to me this weekend and he goes... Yeah, I managed to pick up one of those Oculus Quest 2s uh, for Black Friday. You know, Target's doing a buy an Oculus Quest 2, get a $50 gift card to Target. On top of that, you know, I used my red card, got 5% off. Uh, I used a buddy's discount, got 5% off, whatever. Gets a good deal on an Oculus Quest 2, is telling me about it. I'm like, fuck, Mavsman. Because little does Mavsman know, I've been going back and forth in my personal life for the past month or so with, I really want an Oculus Quest 2. Uh, I mean, I, in fact, my nephew bought one when they first came out and played it like one time. I think he like opened up the box, downloaded Beat Saber, made a Facebook account and then never touched the thing ever again. Um, and so I've been telling him, I'm like, dude, you're sitting on that thing. It was a waste of money. Let me buy it off you for 200 bucks. Let me buy it off you for 200 bucks. You know, that way I get a deal. He doesn't have to feel bad about this thing he bought and hasn't used. Everyone's happy. Well, my shithead nephew, that goddamn teenager, he ended up being like, nah, I don't want to sell it to you. I'm like, oh, fuck. So I've just been waiting. I'm like, you know what? Halo Infinite's about to come out. I'll wait till the new year. I'll wait till everything's died down. I'll probably pick one up in like February or March. I really was trying to avoid Black Friday. I don't care what the deals are. I don't want to do any of this. Well, they got me. Mavsman got me. The combination of just like, ah, I wanted to get one, but I couldn't. Ah, Mavsman says there's a deal on it. So, you know, my girlfriend and I, have, we have a little thing where like, it's like one week I buy the groceries, the next week she buys the groceries. We do an alter, alternating uh, grocery responsibility type deal. This week happens to be my week to buy groceries. I'm like, ah, I was going to spend 50 bucks on groceries anyway. Might as well go buy an Oculus Quest 2, get a $50 gift card to Target, and then there's grocery money right there. So when you think about it that way, I'm basically getting $50 off the Oculus Quest 2. And so I try to rationalize it that way. My girlfriend's like, I'm not going to tell you what to do with your money. If that's what you want to do. I guess I see the logic in it. And then I go ahead and buy it. And I got to be honest with you guys. I, I don't regret it. <laughs> I don't regret it. It's, it's, it's bad. I really shouldn't have. This is a very bad purchase. I don't want to say impulse purchase because I've been trying to buy one for a while. But 
I wasn't planning on buying one right now, so I guess it technically constitutes as an impulse purchase. But fuck you. I don't need to validate myself. I don't need to prove myself to you guys. As far as I'm concerned, you're not even real. I don't even hear any of your voices except the ones in my head, so fuck you. I got an Oculus Quest 2, and I got to be really honest, this thing is awesome. I have said many times before on the show when we talk about HoloLens with Xbox or why doesn't Xbox do a VR headset, many times before, I don't think VR is the future. I think Xbox is smart to not get involved in VR. I think blah, 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 blah. I will say, despite the outpour of praise I have for Oculus Quest 2, I do still stand by my statement. I don't think Xbox needs to get involved with VR. I don't think it is necessarily a a missed opportunity that they're not doing this. Although, I will say, I fucking love VR, and I want Xbox VR (laughs) at the same time. I I don't know. I don't want to get too into this because this is not Xbox-related, but I have quickly been made a believer of, of VR. I am obsessed with just like the idea that it's like I have to actually reload this gun in VR I can't just like press the reload button and then my gun reloads like if I'm playing if I'm playing like Onward or Pavlov or whatever fucking VR shooting game I have to legitimately like learn each and every weapon where I pull out the clip put a new clip in how to cock or load or just reset this weapon like and that that little thing is just like wow that's that's amazing or like I go into VR chat I'm just like why the fuck does it actually feel like I'm just sitting in this like little cafe, like just like minding my own business and absorbing good music and vibes as the kids say, while like people are just like around chatting it up and socializing and enjoying themselves. I'm like, why does it actually feel like I've been transported to someplace? I I gotta be honest. VR is an extremely convincing experience. You know, there are, it is a very young technology in a lot of ways. Is a very unproven technology in a lot of ways, and I think its use and application extends far beyond gaming. And even with gaming, I think it still has a very long ways to go before it is made more reasonable and and accessible and you know easy for all to use. But Oculus Quest Two is a very accessible VR unit by the standards of today, and I think this thing has quickly convinced me that. VR is something that, you know, I don't know if it's the future or if Xbox really needs to get involved in it or not, but I do know I love it and I'm enjoying the hell out of it. And although I don't think this, you know, being involved in VR would make or break Xbox in the future, a part of me can't help but wonder like how cool would it be, you know, if I if there were if there were a, a VR initiative somewhere at Xbox and I still really believe in in AR as well. I think there's plenty of space for both of these things in the future. I think AR has a higher probability of being widely adopted sooner just because it's easier to mark easier to market. It's a little less like nerdy and stigma attached the way VR is. So I think you're more likely going to get like football coach Dan or like mom and dad to uh, give augmented reality a try before you before you know they'll put on a fucking VR headset and go into goddamn Ready Player One. So I will say that, but man, oh man, I'm just I'm enjoying the Oculus Quest Two to the point where like I wa- I want to play that. You know, I was I was gifted Guardians of the Galaxy, which I really want to play and I'm really excited about. But I, I I did the math. I'm like it's like a 20 hour game between the you know between the podcast and the kind of free time I have between now and Halo Infinite coming out. It doesn't make sense for me to attempt to play all 20 hours of this game between now and then. It's not going to happen. I'm just going to end up making it far into the game, getting lost, playing Halo and getting sidetracked and not coming back to it soon enough. So I'm putting it on the back burner for mid to late December, although I have it installed sitting there on my dashboard. I want to play it, but the Oculus Quest 2 has has bought my time because, oh my God, dude, I just, every time, I, I only get to play it for like 30 minutes, 45 minutes a night. But when I do, I'm like, this is some of the most convincing, groundbreaking, immersion-filled game experience 
that I've had in, in probably since the Wii came out in 2006. And I know people like to hate on the Wii, but I actually was a huge fan of the Wii. I, I still think to this day, obviously the Wii is extremely rudimentary and shitty compared to most things today. But in 2006, the Wii was a really, really cool experience the first time you played it. And, you know, only time will tell. It depends how innovative people are and in, in, in how we continue to invest in this technology into the future. But already I'm pretty confident that this is not a one-and-done gimmick like Wii was and that there is a lot of potential for this platform and already to the point where, like, dude, last night I got on this, um, I, oh, what is it called? This app called Big Screen where you just go into a virtual movie theater and you just watch random movies and TV shows with people. I was just watching this um, this Christmas movie from the 90s called Mixed Nuts that I've never heard about. It's a Steve Martin movie. And I, I'm just sitting in this fucking virtual movie theater on my couch watching this fucking Christmas movie I've never heard of before. And there's just a bunch of strangers sitting in the room with me. And like sometimes occasionally someone will talk and be like, hey, what year did this movie come out? And I'm just like sitting there in real life on my couch in my boxers. But in this VR headset, I just feel like I'm at this movie theater. And it's just terrifyingly convincing. Like, you get used to it. You get used to the orientation. And then within, like, a minute or two, your brain just switches. And it's just like, yeah, 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 you're in a movie theater right now. I'm like, I I cannot get over how fucking cool that experience is. So, guys, I know this is an Xbox podcast. I know Halo Infinite is out. But I got to tell you, don't sleep on VR. It's fucking cool. It is very, very cool. It... it Obviously, a level of immersion that, you know, traditional games with just a controller and a TV could otherwise never provide. And I uh, I am very excited about this. So, guys, with all that out of the way, Halo, Oculus, Thanksgiving, Japanese food, your comments and news that next week's episode will come out on Friday instead of Thursday. I say we move on into the news. I say we get out of this this hour-long segment of bullshit and meandering, and we talk about some goddamn news in the world of Xbox. What do you say, kids? All right, so this week we got a little less than you like general, conventional kind of Xbox news week, but some interesting stories I want to get into on this uh, otherwise slower week as before we... Very quiet week before we head into Halo and Game Awards. Listen, guys. Windows Central just dropping a bombshell on us right before we record here. Qualcomm... The company best known as the world's most used mobile chip brand, you know, Android phones. You ever heard of them? You fucking plebeian. And the recently, uh, uh, they 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 had a a summit event to reveal a new slew of gaming related products and new um, processors. Anyway, they have announced the Qualcomm Snapdragon G3X Gen One gaming platform, and alongside it, the Snapdragon G3X handheld developer kit. Now, Qualcomm claims that these, sorry, that there isn't yet a bespoke mobile game handheld device on the market. But uh, with the new G3X platform, Qualcomm claims that they're filling in a niche, a niche that will allow Android games to enjoy similar experiences to what we have on console or PC. Interestingly, Qualcomm also specifically called that Xbox Cloud Gaming in their presentation, showcasing a device from Razer currently in the pipeline for the near future. The Snapdragon G3 Gen 1 supports many gaming features that are already available on Switch, such as display outpoint output to TV for docking, supporting for cooler fan technology, full game controllers, etc. It also touts features that are very much aren't available yet in the Nintendo Switch, like support for 144 FPS gaming, 5G, uh, stereo haptics, uh, the latter of which may be considered by Microsoft as a way to solve the delta of tactile or tactility between 
full gamepad and touch controls for cloud gaming. That would be so cool. Indeed, the first device Qualcomm has shown off is Razer's own handheld dev kit, which very much looks like something Microsoft might make. It sports a standard ABXY button layout with Xbox color buttons alongside offset joysticks, shoulder buttons, D-pads, and triggers embedded in the center of the device is a large display powered by Android, complete with embedded webcam for live streaming, although probably no one's ever going to use that part. In the presentation, Qualcomm repeatedly cited Xbox Game Pass, cloud gaming, Xbox console streaming capable for it, the Razer device. Now, this device supports stereo haptics and four-way speakers. Also, it's capable of connecting to a full TV with output at 4K with HDR via USB Type-C. Crucially, the device would also be future-proofed with maximum 5G uh, millimeter wave slash sub-6 capabilities along with Wi-Fi 6, two crucial, crucial features for enhanced picture quality while gaming from the cloud there are no details regarding the availability to developers nor when consumers can start expecting these kind of devices from oem partners what the team at windows central have heard in recent history that microsoft had been dabbling with xbox handheld prototypes for a little while now although something like a qualcomm platform may be the family of technologies microsoft needs to really give it some serious consideration either way it looks like having to carry around a controller and a clunky phone clip may be a thing of the past for the Xbox Cloud Gaming, thanks to Qualcomm Snapdragon G3X chipset. So this is one of those stories I wish you guys could, you know, I wish there was a visual component because there are some pictures along with it that I think really do help sell this a little better. Now, what we have here, and this device does look like the love child between like Razer hardware and Xbox, so it's quite nice in that regard. But, um... Let's try to break it down in layman's terms a little bit because generally I'm not a very like nerdy, techie, inclined kind of guy. So some of this would generally go over my head a little bit. It's just I, 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 I listen to enough phone talk that some of this actually makes sense to me because I'm pretty interested in the mobile phone space as a area of YouTube I consume quite a lot of, of content in. So uh, this is really cool. And really exciting because this is the, this is the potential to make xCloud and gaming on the go and all this shit kind of exciting and accessible in a way in a way that's like I've always wanted to enjoy these things like this but I it's just been missing a little something you know like I got the Surface Duo 2 and I love the Nintendo DS style of playing games on it but it's still not ideal cuz it's touch screen you know you can buy the latest Samsung phone or, or OnePlus phone or whatever, and it might have a Snapdragon 888 processor and games look amazing on its 120 hertz refresh rate display and whatnot, but at the end of the day, you're still playing games on a touchscreen, blah, 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 blah. It's not proper. It's not correct. This is what I want, and and for the those look, who can't see the picture or haven't seen the picture, basically the concept for this Razer device is... It looks like an Xbox controller, like with the with the ergonomics and the defined backside and handles and triggers and everything. It's not like the Nintendo Switch where it's just a little fucking puck and you got and it's very uncomfortable for your hands and you're gonna get like a like a fucking um, carpal tunnel trying to hold it. Like this is like legitimately like an Xbox controller, but made slightly more sleek with a giant fucking screen in the middle, and it looks beautiful. It really, really does look like the best of Razer combined with the best of Xbox, but the webcam looks like the webcam from the Wii U gamepad. There's no denying that much, but yeah, this thing looks fucking amazing, so let's try to get this right. So Qualcomm, the company that makes the Snapdragon processors, uh, which are most commonly found in Android phones and tablets and things like that, um, have developed a new chip, this G3X processor, that is designed for Android devices for gaming-specific purposes. So 
We also know, so I mean, we know Razer used to make smartphones. I had the Razer phone too. It was a fantastic phone. Uh, Asus makes the ROG phone, which is a great uh, gaming phone as well. And there have been phones in the past that have had a mobile gaming slant and effort, right? And you might think about this and be like, well, that might be something to target mobile devices like that. I don't think so. This isn't really, I don't, I don't think more about the phone itself. Um, this is they'll, they'll continue to push the the mainline flagship line of uh, of Snapdragon processors for for mobile devices, the eight 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 and things like that going forward. I think this is more for other mobile hardware with a gaming effort. So it is a processor that's designed to work for Android devices. It is ideal for gaming. It supports five G. It supports Wi Fi six, so you get really good gaming experience. Whether you're you know streaming your game or downloading and playing over the internet, whatever. So these are really really critical features. Obviously, these are kind of becoming commonplace these days. So it's not like groundbreaking or shattering features, but obviously these are really important, especially for cloud gaming in particular. And then on top of that, this support for haptics is what really really gets me because. Yes, they're going to be devices that are kind of like the Steam Deck or the Nintendo Switch that try to do mobile gaming, but I love this idea of like you have touch controls, but if the haptics are sophisticated enough, you might be able to get a tactical feel on a device that doesn't necessarily have physical buttons. I think it's going to be very hard to pull off in a way that feels very genuine and believable and realistic, but I love the idea and the attempt to try and do that anyway. But I think the main thing to focus on here for us as Xbox fans is this is this Razer device, which doesn't have a name, it's not official, there's no release date, there's no price point, there's no confirmed specs, there's nothing, you know, it's not like, uh, it's not like the Steam Deck, where it's like, guys, get your wallets ready, we're going to pre-order this bad boy, but I really hope, and, I, and I'm sure they are going to make this, I'm sure this is gonna, like going to happen, but I want to see this thing come to market, I want to see this thing be 100% true, and, and, and it, they showed it because it is something Razer's actively working on, it's just these kinds of projects have, you know, a way of like either not being all that we thought by the time they come to market, or being cancelled, or you know, being kind of vaporware, and I just don't want to see that be the case with this, because judging by the pictures, this is like everything you would want in a portable Xbox device, while also looking reasonable like something that would actually come to market and that you could actually feasibly see people being able to buy i don't know my head's going all over the place with this story because there's i, I just have so many thoughts like an, another tangential thought is like i find it so interesting that xbox has been you know apparently according to windows central who are generally very reliable that they've heard sources saying that microsoft and xbox want to get involved with mobile gaming i guess it shouldn't be too surprising considering how much you know, xCloud's been a push for them. But to see them want to do dedicated hard hardware like that is really exciting. And now that doesn't necessarily mean Xbox is going to make a dedicated Xbox gaming handheld. But this idea that like they're going to support OEMs and support, you know, companies like Qualcomm and Razer who want to make mobile handheld devices with Xbox in mind. That's very exciting. So this device would not be, you know, it wouldn't have an Xbox logo on the back and be an Xbox portable and that's it. It would be an Android device that looks and feels like an Xbox controller, but when you boot it up, it's Android. You got the Google Play Store, presumably. You got the Android app selection from the Google Play Store, but it would also have xCloud pre-installed. It would also be marketed with xCloud so the idea would be you'd have multiple marketplaces to pull from in order to play games you have Game Pass you have Google Play and maybe even something else I don't know maybe they put Stadia in this fucking thing remember Stadia I don't know but this is just super exciting because I think 
everyone who's an Xbox fan can relate to a time where it was just like, yo, Nintendo's got the DS and the Game Boy and Sony's got the PSP and like, why doesn't fucking Xbox do a handheld, you know, especially in the 360 days. This was a thing we talked about all the time. Why does an Xbox do a handheld? And I love how this affords them the opportunity to be like, fuck it, we're doing a handheld because of their initiative and their efforts with xCloud. This just kind of opens the door to making this just a very natural progression for them, a very reasonable thing for them to head into with OEMs. And and, and it's interesting to think about because I think many of us have always thought about this as like, we want Xbox to approach mobile or handheld gaming the way they approach console gaming, which is we want them to make their own dedicated box for this thing. But what we're really getting is more of a PC or mobile approach where it is OEMs are making devices that support this platform that Xbox is on. And I think that makes more sense for the Xbox we've seen, you know, begin to form over the past few years with Game Pass, with xCloud, which is this idea of like Xbox isn't just Microsoft's hardware console that you can buy. It is also the Xbox TV stick for your for your smart TV. It is also xCloud on your Android device or your iOS device or your PC, what have you. So this does play into that narrative which is very much the future of xbox and it makes a lot a lot of sense Um, but it's also just so exciting because it seems like the best of both worlds where microsoft can have their cake and eat too they can have their mobile device but they don't have to go ahead and r&d you know a a platform and do all that they can have oems just kind of be like yep we got the software we got the chip we're making our own device and it's going to run xcloud so you can play xbox on it and i just I just find that so compelling because as someone who wanted to love Nintendo Switch and ultimately didn't love Nintendo Switch, as someone who appreciates and respects and likes the idea of Steam Deck but has no intention of buying one, it makes me happy to see this thing and say, hey, this is the one. I would I would buy this. This is the version of the Steam Deck, of the Switch, of whatever. This is the mobile, dedicated gaming handheld that I would buy. And it's exciting because I love the idea of like, you know, like lately the past few months to when I go to work, I've been bringing an Xbox controller with me, so on my lunch breaks, I can just, you know, put my Surface Duo in tent mode, pull up my controller, and play uh, Call of Duty Mobile or whatever. I tried to play xCloud on it. It's a total shit show. Like, the like the, 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 the service just doesn't work well in the area where my where my work is. I think it's just a bad zone for, for cloud streaming because I do it at home, and it works great, but I do it at work on a 5G network, and it's just not great. And I just love the idea of a device and a chipset and everything that's so finely tuned with this thing in mind that it's this dedicated device. It's not going to eat in my phone's battery. It's not going to draw me away from my phone if I need to use it. It's just this own device that's all about gaming, and that's what it's used for. And boom, Xbox. Anywhere and everywhere I go, don't got to download games. Just play it. 5G optimized chip performance and everything. It just works. And that's a really, really promising proposal. I'm really hoping that this thing does come to market and is effectively priced and is a is as is as much of a fully realized promise as what this seems to be. I really think there's a hungry market for that kind of thing. Is this going to be Nintendo Switch popular? No. Is this going to be the make Xbox suddenly a dominant player in the game space? No. This is still going to be a relatively niche device because most people that use XCloud are going to be using it on their phone or their PC or whatever. But this offers a one-size-fits-all solution to us more traditional Xbox gamers who've always thought, I wish I could take this experience with me on the go, but without the compromise. And yes, it's not 100% no compromise because you are still streaming, so you're still not going to get perfect performance and all of that, but this seems like by far the most inline we've ever seen some kind of mobile Xbox effort 
be where it's like, yeah, that's that's what I wanted. That's that's it. They nailed it. And I think that's, I don't know, I know for someone like me who's a little more traditional when it comes to Xbox, this is exciting. You know, I love playing Xbox on my couch with my controller in hand, looking at my TV. This would be my second way to do it. A dedicated handheld platform that just feels good. It feels like an Xbox when you're holding the controller. It's not going to eat in my phone's battery, so I can't use my phone when I'm out in the go. It's just this thing I can put in my bag or whatever and pull it out and just have this gaming experience on this gaming platform. You know, I don't look at my Xbox as like, I want to use it to uh, make podcasts and to write videos and to do work on it, you know? Uh, but I also want to play games. That's that's kind of why I don't like PC gaming. I like the compartmentalization. I like the dedicated hardware for this gaming-centric focus. That's what I love about my Xbox. And so that's what excites me about this. Is It's this thing that's like, it was built around gaming, so its strengths are in gaming. And when you use this device, it's for the intention of gaming. And it's none of the bullshit compromises you have to make every time you pick up your phone to play a video game. I just, this excites me. And uh, I, I hope this is something we definitely see some more about in 2022. I hope this isn't one of those things that just kind of gets announced, gets some initial hype, disappears. We never hear about it again. I really, really hope, you know, the Qualcomm stuff, the G3X Gen 1 processor, this stuff is legit. This stuff is happening. This stuff is on the way. But this particular device coming from Razer, utilizing this technology from, from Qualcomm and, and, and working with Xbox to make this device happen, I, I want to see this, man. I want to see this. If we can get this thing, it can be real. And, and, and think about it, too, because it's not as beefy as, like, a dedicated gaming handheld. Um, the, the thing that makes it expensive is the, you know, the 5G antenna and, and, and the haptics and things like that. So, yes, it's a couple hundred dollars. But because it's more based on Android mobile gaming and it's more based on, like, cloud streaming and things like that, it doesn't have to have the storage and everything like that as so much. It, it can They can afford to make this a a $300 or less device. You know, it doesn't have to be a $400, $500 Steam Deck. And that's also really exciting. So I'm I'm pretty optimistic about this device. Very much looking forward to it. And I'd love to hear what you guys uh, think about this. If this is something you'd be interested in. Uh, if you check it out, this is something you want to buy or, or something that catches your interest in any way. So, damn. Razer, you know I already love you. I, 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 I have your Razer mouse. Um, I had your Razer phone at one point, so clearly I'm an elite gamer. I love you, so feel free to keep me in mind when you're uh, sending these out to influencers. I, I'm not necessarily an influencer, but I am a Razer gamer, so I hope that counts for something in your book. Now, next up, our, our second story of the week comes from VGC, and it is that lead designer of Alien Isolation has joined Rare to help in the design of the working title Everwild. Gary Knapp... Gary Napper, Naper, Gary Naper confirmed this week that he has taken on the role of design director of the game, which has remained under wraps for a number of years now, saying, quote, I'm thrilled to announce that today I joined Rare as a design director on Everwild. Really looking forward to making some amazing things with this incredible team and studio. Now, this project has, you know, famously kind of been under some turbulence in recent years and recently behind the scenes earlier in the year. Uh, you may recall when we talked about the fact that Everwild had been completely rebooted in development following the, the the studio's creative director leaving at Rare. So that was a whole thing. Or I ranted and ranted about why they show this game. They had nothing here to show. This game wasn't ready to show. They just got they just blew their water way too early. And here we are, all this time later, just now getting word that they are getting a uh, a a new game or design director for the game, which is you know, pretty late in the game. Now, the game was originally announced at XO19 
in November of 2019. So two years ago at this point, when the game was announced, we were told, you know, last year, the creative director, Simon Woodruff, left the company, and that led to a complete overhaul of the game's design direction, as well as significant changes to its senior leadership over there at Rare. According to people with knowledge on Everwild development, the game's uh, design was essentially restarted from scratch, so... Basically, the game's not coming out anytime soon. Don't think of it as, oh, they've been developing this since at least 2018. Nope. This is like a brand new project as of this year. So it's going to be a minute before we see this thing. Uh, Xbox Game Studio boss Matt Booty stated last month that Rare's Everworld team uh, wants to make sure that they have something special before showing the game publicly, which, again, just confirms. Don't expect anything anytime soon. But this is an interesting get because you're thinking about a guy who, you know, most notable project, Alien Isolation, a game that is very atmospheric, which is one thing that can lend itself really well to Everwild, but a game that's obviously very intentionally scary, horror-related, and mature-related, where Everwild is probably a lot of not that. Now, this is a guy who has an interesting background. I'm looking at kind of his work history he worked on Black for the original Xbox, for the original Xbox and PS2, which you might remember. It was also kind of a launch era game on 360. He worked on Harry Potter: The Deathly Hollows Part Two, the video game, and then he worked on um, some Battlefield content, Black and White uh, Two, a couple other Harry Potter games, lots of PS2 license games in the past, a couple of sports titles as well. So he has a long history in the games industry dating mostly back to the uh, ps2 era early 2000s but uh nothing nothing this substantial i would say his biggest projects he's worked on uh probably alien isolation and black honestly um everything else well you know what working on the battlefield 2 content he worked on as well as black and white that's all pretty big stuff as well but he's he's never had you know he's never had this kind of other than Alien Isolation, he's never had this large a role on this big a project before. And so the only thing that the only dots my brain can connect is that, you know, his expertise from Alien Isolation when when you know, I never played Alien Isolation, but I know it's a beloved game by by many a fan. And what I do know about that game is its focus was a lot more on atmosphere than it was you know, on action, which is whether, however you want to look at this, a mistake or a decision that a lot of alien games seem to make where they make it all about first person combat shooting and just action game. Um, whereas this game was very much focused on the whole, like trying to escape the alien, almost like a horror game, which I think, I mean, we don't know whatever wild is right. But what we did get from that announcement teaser, the two announcement teasers, um, that we did get before they kind of rebooted the game is whatever this game is, it's going for a very unique art style. It's going for a very unique style and it's going to kind of sell itself in a large way due to just how creative and unique and one of a kind the game looks. And I think if you, if you're taking a guy who led a, on a game that was all about atmosphere, then I think that is an expertise or there is a level of expertise he can provide to a project like Everwild. But again, it's hard to really say when we don't know what the fuck Everwild is. So while this is pretty big news, one, I mean, for a multitude of reasons, it is hard to really take away what all that means for the project itself. Now, the other big aspect here is just the fact that they're just now getting a new lead design director, which, you know, that's a massive role in a game. So that tells you that if he's only been in this role for, you know, a few weeks at this point, then the, the the game basically just hasn't even then the game basically just hasn't even started development. So from my in my opinion, this is this is basically a more or less a confirmation that we can assume this game is three, four years away at the very least. At the very, very least. 
So if you are looking forward to Everwild, be prepared to wait a whole long, long amount of time. Hopefully this ends up being a perfect role for Gary. You know, congratulations on the role at Rare. Rare is an awesome developer. They they are a team that is really focused on stunning visuals, really creative, artistic uh, worlds. And I'd love to see them lean into that more. And it seems like that's kind of what they're doing here with Gary. So I am happy to see that. It's just, uh, man, I sure wish we never knew about this game until, you know, maybe not a couple of years from now. But uh, that's that. Now, moving on, we got some news about Battlefield. Speaking of people coming and going, uh, Fozzie Mesmar, DICE's head of design who looked after the Battlefield and Star Wars Battlefront franchises, has left DICE following the release of Battlefield 2042, according to a report from VGC. His departure was announced in an email sent to staff this week, seen by several VGC, in which he revealed that he'd been planning to leave for some time once the studio's latest shooter had been shipped. The former King Studio director uh, had served as DICE's head of design since 2019, so he was only there a short while. His role saw the helm of the design team over 80 creative directors, design designers, and more. And on pro- he worked on projects such as Battlefield 2042, Star Wars Battlefront 2, and Battlefield 5. Although Battlefront 2, if he if you know if he if he's been head of design since 2019, he had little to no impact on Star Wars Battlefront 2. Let's be honest. But his closing statements here are. Absolute pleasure to serve on the best design team in the galaxy. Uh, the incredible design work that you all do, he's writing to the staff, uh, continues to inspire me every day. Thank you for putting your faith in me, and I hope I didn't disappoint. I've, made, I've taken an offer I couldn't refuse at another company that's been kind enough to wait for me until I've shipped Battlefield 2042. It was super important for me to be here the team with the team as we achieve this historical milestone. Now, while Oscar Gabrielson, studio GM at DICE, and myself, he says in the email, continue to discuss uh, my succession plans for some time, and while we've been discussing them for some time, it will be announced in due course. We opted to delay communication after launch to keep the focus rightly so on the game. We've been putting momentum and our effort in that. So his final day was on November 26th, so he's already gone. He's already taken his new position, which seems to be based in Stockholm, which is, I believe, where DICE is already... I know they're in Sweden. I believe they're in Stockholm. Now, generally, I try not to read into these stories too much when I'm making the news just for the simple fact that I don't... I don't want to sit here and just, like, think about the stories too much. I I like the idea of this show being more like, here's the news story. I'm learning about it as I'm talking about with you. It's very, like, off the cuff. It's very informal. It started as, like, a lazy way to just kind of help me keep up with the show and all the workload throughout the week. But it's also evolved, in in my opinion, into a a more fun way of doing the show because I don't want to have these pre-rehearsed kind of talking points for for every story that happens. But the more I think about this one as, as, as I'm reading through it and thinking about it, the more I think this actually is... You know, it's it's a move. It is a big position leaving a big company and moving on to a new role. And so that is interesting, but it is not it's not night and day like, whoa, this is earth shattering for dice for the simple fact that this guy wasn't even there very long. You know, they talk about his involvement in Star Wars, which came out in 2017. So he kind of oversaw the final push of DLC and support for that game more than anything. Um, Battlefield 5 was coming out. Battlefield 5 came out in like 2018, didn't it? So it was mostly DLC. So really, when you think about it, his enroll, his involvement in the studio was mostly centered around Battlefield 2042. At least in this position it was. And so it's kind of hard to look back on this and be like, whoa, 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 what's happening here? Especially because the announcement was so detailed and transparent. It's basically just, hey, I got offered a really good position somewhere else. And uh, I want to take that position. Thank you guys for your time. Thank you, blah, blah, blah. You know, seems like he's leaving on good terms, That all good stuff. No one's, you know, no falling out, no controversy, no scandal here. Can you believe we didn't talk about Activision at the top of the show? 
I can't believe we didn't get an update on that this week. So it's kind of one of those things where it's like someone's moving. This role will be filled by someone else. But, but I, I will say the thing I do find interesting about this is just kind of the story of what's going on right now at DICE with Battlefield 2042. The game launched in a state that has left fans very unhappy, unsatisfied with the performance and the and just the, the full featured kind of... At, situation going on with the game where it's missing a lot of things and things are really buggy and broken blah 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 i can't help but feel like this is a position where maybe we don't need this guy here as badly at this point in the game's launch if that makes sense whereas it seems like the majority of the problems with battlefield 2042 are kind of centered around performance and optimization and a little less with like general design and stuff like that although i'm not a game developer i know nothing about how video games are, are, are made so it could just be a very very ignorant statement on my part to make to say well the head of design doesn't need to be there after a game launches that's not exactly what i'm trying to say but i, I understand it may come off that way so pardon my ignorance if that's you know if that's kind of what that sounds like but i i just feel like this is one of those things where he did the right thing he waited till the product shipped and now he's moving on to something else and they'll get someone to replace him and it's not like he is a massive part of the DNA, the DNA of DICE, considering he's only even been in this position for like two years. So I don't know what to say here. I, I will say the bigger story is just kind of how quiet, you know, they're they're losing core talent at a time where they're kind of going through the shit trying to get this game patched and fixed and good to go to make amends with gamers. They've kind of been more or less not too terribly vocal on this. Um and, and yet they're losing talent. So, you know, whatever. Congratulations to Fozzie. You know, good luck on your next endeavor. I am curious to know where he went. You know, what studio. I don't know, man. This is this is just not, not a terribly, like, exciting story, you know? I will say, still, with Battlefield 2042, as someone who's played six hours of it, my thing is still, like, what are people talking about? What are people on about with this game and all the outrage? I know it's a little buggy and silly in uh, the 2042 stuff, but, like, I played mostly Portal. Like, that that shit was great. I don't, like, is there room for polish? Were there some graphical glitches? Yeah, but, like, the game is not broken, so I'm a little confused about that kind of narrative. But, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I just, I don't know. I don't see it. All right, next up, speaking of xCloud, Xbox is rolling out a new feature update which improves sharpness of its cloud gaming streaming from Microsoft Edge browser. The new feature, which Xbox is calling Clarity Boost, lets players turn on and off optional optimization to sharpen the edges of incoming streams. Clarity Boost, Clarity Boost uses a set of client-side scaling improvements, which means the extra processing is done under the user's end, handled by the Edge browser. So this is pretty cool. At the moment, the feature is only available for people using uh, Microsoft Edge Canary, which is the experimental version. It's like the insider version of Microsoft Edge. Um, and it's and it will eventually be released to more Edge users. So clearly this is, you know, for PC users, not for like mobile so much. But although I guess you could technically do it through mobile. But anyway, although this means that only a small portion of Edge users can actually try at the time, Xbox promises the feature will roll out by 2022 so in the coming weeks anyone who wants to try the feature early can download microsoft edge canary now but so this is another really cool feature this is the thing is i'm continually impre impressed with microsoft's obsession with like trying to use processing and power from other programs or from the cloud or from back-end things to try and boost and improve the experience of these games i love this whole thing of like you're playing Skyrim, a 360 game or whatever, on your Xbox One, and you get FPS boost, you get auto HDR, 
you're playing your xCloud streaming and it's like okay now you get a clarity boost because edge is using its own processing or, or client side scaling to improve your experience of this game which is just amazing it's a very efficient and effective use of resources and it just makes the experience better for the user simply for just playing the game it's just it is this thing i love to see xbox continue and even though they're moving away from the the backwards compatibility list for og and 360 xbox games um we still continue to see them go obsessive with this like how do we make things look better how do we make things run better how do we make it better 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 and it just takes pre-existing content and focuses on improving the experience which is so critical when (laughs) otherwise the industry is generally so focused on yeah whatever's new whatever's next you know we don't see the competition or or conventionally with with other game players in the game space being like yeah how can we make old content look and run better for free you know and this is just one of those things um now, I'm a little curious about how many people will actually get to benefit from this a lot. From the image they showed, it looks like this this feature will add quite a bit of clarity and really improve the visuals. But in especially here in the U.S., where you know Wi-Fi and, and, and wireless connectivity are just so spotty and hit or miss depending on where you are. The problem with xCloud is it already kind of struggles in making everything stream and feel and look crystal clear and everything like that. So what we're doing is we're just improving the experience but how noticeable is that going to be if you're one of the people like me who generally struggle to get a really solid stream with xcloud because insufficient internet connectivity or whatever the case may be so i i do wonder on that end although i assume this is a feature that would mostly be used maybe through like uh, wi-fi since most people will be using it on edge on their home computers and things like that connect to wi-fi so Maybe it is more beneficial in that setup, but I guess I'm more thinking about the phone experience where xCloud, even when it does run smoothly, usually just suffers a little bit from some visual uh, buffering and things like that. So how much of a difference can this make in a world where Microsoft is continuously improving these features with more and more backend updates, but our internet infrastructure isn't catching up enough for users to really be taking full advantage of these features, if that makes sense. Nonetheless, I'd love to see them just continue to improve on this and just make these experiences so awesome. It, it, it's really funny because, as you guys know, I've been playing Skyrim uh, recently. And I it, so the thing is, I made it like seven or eight hours into the game and there was this quest I was working on. I'm like, fuck, I think I went into this quest a little, like, you know, not a little ill-equipped for it. So I looked at this this uh, video on YouTube to see how this other guy was handling the quest to see kind of where I need to go, what I need to do. And the crazy thing is it was a video of a guy playing Skyrim on, you know, probably a computer that was pretty beefy at the time in 2011 because the video was uploaded in like 2012 or 2013. And so, you know, it's whatever. It's running on PC and the game looks like absolute horse shit. And I'm here playing it on Xbox Series X and... You know, I get this FPS boost, this auto HDR, and of course, you know, whatever, special edition. And I'm just like, I cannot believe how how great this game looks and runs on my Series X, despite the fact that it is a 10-year-old game now. I didn't even realize how amazing it looked and ran. And I guess it's kind of the beauty is like it just didn't bug me because it just looked okay, normal. Like, obviously, textures didn't look, you, you know like like object models and and things like that game models didn't look impressive or whatever but 
the 4K, the smooth frame rate, all these things. I just immediately take them for granted because it's just what I expect from games nowadays. And it's just so crazy that anytime you play Xbox, it's just like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We know how to make old games look and run in a way that's very acceptable by modern standards. And this is just that continued push and effort and obsession with making Xbox the most powerful, the most attractive, the most smooth and fun and adaptable and easy to pick up and enjoy kind of place to play games regardless of the generation or the age of the game. And I just... Yeah, I love that so much. Although this is more about the clarity of streaming quality, but yes, it's the same same concept. All right, now we got a penultimate story here, but it is something a little disappointing, a little sad. So gamers, please get a glass of wine ready because this next one's going to drive you to drink. IGN reports that after seven years, Respawn is finally ending all new sales of the first Titanfall game starting today. Titanfall will be removed from subscription-based services on March 1st, 2022. However, any players who've already purchased Titanfall will still have access to live servers. Now, Respawn tweeted with a little announcement. They say, Pilots. Titanfall is part of our DNA at Respawn. It's a game that showcases the ambition of the studio when we first launched seven years ago, and it continues to be a beacon of innovation that we strive for in all of our games. We've made the decision to discontinue new sale of the original Titanfall game starting today, and we'll be removing the game from subscription services on March 1st. We will, however, be keeping servers live for dedicated fan base still playing those who own the game who are looking to drop in onto a match. Rest assured, Titanfall is a is a sorry rest assured Titanfall is core to Respawn's DNA with the incredible universe in it that will continue today in Titanfall 2 and in Apex Legends and in the future and, and in the future the re that wasn't me uh, tripping on my words it's me reiterating and in the future this franchise is the North Star for the caliber of experience that we will continue to create here at Respawn we will continue to create here at Respawn thank you for the entire thank you from the entire Respawn team so this news kind of just dropped, and immediately I'm seeing a lot of reactionary kind of like, whoa, whoa, what does this mean? Does this mean we're never getting any more Titanfall? And like, oh, look at the hypocrisy. They're saying we're shutting down Titanfall 1, but at the same time, they're also saying we'll continue. You know, it's at the core of our DNA, blah, blah, blah. Guys, this is a Left 4 Dead 1 to Left 4 Dead 2 situation, I think. Respawn is a big team. But their main focus these days is Apex Legends for this for this Titanfall team, right? Uh, Apex Legends has grown to be such an incredibly popular and big game, and it takes a lot of manpower to support and to continue to keep that game going and running and optimized and, and safe from hackers and maintaining those servers and all the shit that goes into making Apex Legends run. But Titanfall, as you'll remember from a story over the summer, has become a mess for them, where it's just this game where they don't have a lot of people working on maintaining and upkeeping these servers, and it's just this thing of, like, you know, people play it not a lot of people play it but you know there are people hacking and breaking shit and it's just kind of a waste of their resources to be fighting people and investing and in trying to maintain and hold this game together when in contrast their other game apex legends is just this massive behemoth that makes shit tons of money and requires an immense amount of attention to maintain and operate and it just doesn't make financial sense for them to be like yeah let's just maintain titanfall 1 and titanfall 2 and apex legends and so I think what we have is a Left 4 Dead situation where I always preferred Left 4 Dead 1 to Left 4 Dead 2. I think they're both fantastic games, but I always thought Left 4 Dead 1 was actually a better game. But the thing is, after Left 4 Dead 2 became a year or two old, they started just adding in all the content from Left 4 Dead 1, you know? It got to a point where it's like, I can play as all the Left 4 Dead 1 characters in Left 4 Dead 2. I can play all the Left 4 Dead 1 campaigns in Left 4 Dead 2. The only Left 4 Dead game you need is the sequel because it has all the content from 1 and two and therefore it just rendered the first game completely obsolete 
And that's kind of what we're seeing here a little bit. Now, Titanfall doesn't do it to that extent necessarily, but Titanfall 2 did eventually just get tons and tons of Titanfall 1 maps included for free into the game's multiplayer suite. And as you'll recall, Titanfall 1 didn't have a campaign. It just had an attrition mode with some story, like kind of inter like intercom, like dialogue, right? So when you have most of the core multiplayer experience already included in Titanfall 2, and then Titanfall 2 is the newer game, it's the game that has a campaign, it's the game where more players are active, it just becomes a no-brainer to be like, why are we supporting Titanfall 1? When Titanfall 2, you know, we could just consolidate those resources to focus on one Titanfall experience, which is Titanfall 2, the one that has all the content and the bigger player base, and we can meet our players with where they're at and give them that Titanfall experience and give them more attention, more focus, and more effort on that Titanfall experience by just focusing on one game instead of two. And that way, it doesn't make this, you know... Respawn is a team, is a game studio in the business of making money that's owned by EA. You know, you can't justify keeping these games going and going and going when you know you in contrast you have apex legends which just makes fuck you money day in after day after day after day and and you know you get titanfall which doesn't make any fucking money at all anymore and you're just keeping alive as a goodwill gesture so i i get it it doesn't take that many people it doesn't take that much money to keep a game like titanfall one you know just going to running and maintaining those servers but I think it's just a business decision that's been made to try and consolidate, focus on maintaining, you know, the Titanfall project, you know, by working on Titanfall 2 rather than juggling these two projects. And then, you know, giving the company the resources and the time to focus on what really matters to them because money, which is Apex Legends. You know, that's where the players are. That's where the money is. So it's not fun. It's disappointing. It's hard. You know, it's sad to see because... You know, Titanfall 1 is such an important game, especially for us Xbox One fans. I, I always say the Xbox One is, you know, probably not the best Xbox console, but it is the one that has the most emotional resonance with me because Xbox One is forever the console I associate with, the thing that brought me back to gaming. I was going through something of like a, a gaming drought, a gaming falling out during the like 2012, 2013 kind of time frame. And it was when I bought an Xbox One, that I was kind of brought back in, reminded why I loved gaming, and really got back into the hobby, um, bigger and more into it than I had ever been before. And Titanfall 1 is a huge part of that, because I remember I was at, at the time, I was like, I might just build a gaming PC because I don't game as much anymore. You know, I'll play my Nintendo games and then the occasional PC game. And I remember thinking that in 2013, and then be like, no, I gotta get an Xbox because Halo. <laughs> you know, fuck it, because Halo. And then... When the Xbox came out, I finally decided to pick up the Xbox One a few months after its launch. I was like, dude, this Titanfall game looks so good. Let me just give it a try. I don't know. Maybe it won't be good. I'm kind of over Call of Duty. Well, let's see how this goes. Titanfall 1 and the Xbox One, the experience of getting that console and getting that game and playing them brought me back to gaming. And I just, I know for a lot of people, it's like, dude, Titanfall was the killer app for the Xbox One for the longest time. You know, remember... 2014 it came out in february so a few months after the console's launch and that was the coolest game the console had i'd say until sunset overdrive came out that fall i guess you could say destiny in september came out that year um november that november we got master chief collection but remember that was a fucking mess for a full year so i titanfall is a huge story it's a huge piece to the story of xbox especially at a time where this console was just you know in the dirt and associated with tv 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 call of duty tv and then titanfall was just this awesome fucking hardcore competitive shooter that just fucking rocked it was so good 
and it's sad. This is this this is one of those things that marks the end of an era, and it, it, it's hard for me as an adult to look back and be like, how the fuck are we that far removed from the launch of the Xbox One and the initial launch of the first Titanfall and all that stuff? And you look now, it's like now we're well into the Xbox Series X and Respawn are out there making fucking Apex Legends and all this shit. It's, it's crazy how fast things how how fast things change and how fast time goes by, but. I get it. This is a this is a business decision made for business purposes. They are, you know, a team that represents one of the biggest publishers in the space. You know, they're penny pinchers. They are people trying to make the numbers matter and count. So it's not fun. It is sad to see this happen, but it is somewhat understandable. So a little bit of sad news, guys. It, it, you can still, I guess it's still on Game Pass, I think, so or EA Play, right? Um, so you can get it that way. You can buy a physical copy for dirt cheap if you don't have it. But man, Titanfall 1, at least the servers are still online. So I guess that kind of contradicts every fucking thing I just said. But, you know, it's really easy to have <laughs> one or two people maintaining these servers with this low 400-player count base, whatever. But you want to kind of funnel that player base into Titanfall 2 and have that be your focus. So, you know, the, the gist of what I'm saying still stands, but I think it is immediately look over the fact that you can still play it online you just can't buy it so whatever rip to titanfall one love you so much but guys let's wrap up the news with um our december games coming and leaving game pass so coming this month we got a lot of good shit we got anvil vault breakers coming to consoles and pc on december 2nd continuing with december 2nd we've got archvale coming to consoles cloud and pc we got final fantasy 13 2 coming to consoles and pc uh, we got Lawn Mowing Simulator coming to consoles and cloud and PC. We got Rubber Bandits coming to console, cloud, and PC. We've got Stardew Valley coming back to console, cloud, and PC. We've got Warhammer 40k Battle Sector. Come on, where's that Warhammer game that we were, the Left 4 Dead one we were supposed to get? What happened to that? Anyway, Warhammer 40k Battle Sector coming to cloud, console, and PC. Now on December 8th, we're getting a little game called Halo Motherfucking Infi- Infi- Influence. Halo Influence. Halo Infinite coming to cloud console and PC. Of course, you know we're all about it. And then on December 9th, the next day, if Halo wasn't your thing, you got One Piece Pirate Warrior 4 on cloud console and PC. And then rounding it out, on December 14th, we get two pretty good ones. Alien Fireteam Elite, which just came out this past year on cloud console and PC. I'm definitely trying that one out. And then Among Us, which has been teased for Xbox for a while. We knew it was coming on December 14th, but now, you know, here's a reminder, December 14th, PC and console, no cloud. Now, there are some games leaving Game Pass in December. So on December 15th, we're we're losing the following. Beholder on cloud and console. The Dark Pictures Anthology, Man of Medan, Man of Madan, which was pretty good. I played it. It was not I, I recommend it. Leaving Cloud and or sorry, leaving console and PC. Guacamelee 2 leaving console, PC, and Cloud. I I never played that game. I loved I loved the first one, but I never played the second. Wilmot's Warehouse uh, is leaving Cloud Console and PC as well as Unto the De- Unto the End and Ukulele in the Impossible Layer. So Play those games, download them now while you can, because they're leaving December 15th. Uh, let's let's be honest, you're playing Halo Infinite. All right, guys, that's going to do for all of our news. Let's jump real quick into the important enough news. These are stories important enough to make the podcast, but not important enough to warrant their own discussion. So we have a handful here. Now, first thing is Xbox uh, has said, and Xbox exec stated on a podcast recently that they are improving the quality of video capture and the way it's shared on Xbox Series X and S. Xbox Game Director's Program Marketing Manager, John uh, Jason Ronald, God, let's say that again. Xbox's Director of, Pro- of Program Management, there we go, 
Jason Ronald was speaking to the Iron Lords podcast this week where he was asked if the company had uh, was planning to work on the console's game DVR video recording capabilities where he said um, that they're definitely looking to work on that and hopefully that's something they can get to in um, 2022 as is a priority. They hear the feedback and they want to make changes and improvements to reliability and the quality of video capture for Xbox so they know they have work to do there. So that is exciting. Look forward to that. That is cool to hear that kind of definitive answer. Next, rewards for Halo Infinite's February multiplayer event have seemingly leaked, including uh, including the rewards are a Claw Patrol Spartan Pose, a Scorpion Punch armor coating, Mark V Zeta helmet, UA helmet attachments, as well as some challenge swaps, XP grants, of course. It's a 30-tier um, event that is supposedly taking place in February, so we'll have to see if that comes to fruition, which I'm sure it is. Uh, next, CD Projekt Red has said that a new gen version of Cy- Cyberpunk, sorry, Cyberpunk 2077 and The Witcher 3, those next gen versions of them are still on track to meet their delayed launch windows for for 2022. So, cool. <laughs> we'll see. And then finally, the GTA Trilogy Physical Edition has been re- re- delayed. The um, the Rockstar uh, Twitter account tweeted the following: the release dates for the physical versions of GTA the uh, Trilogy Definitive Edition have changed. The Xbox version and the PS4 version will now release on December 17th. The Nintendo Switch version will release in early 2022. Check your local retailer for availability. So, with that out of the way, guys, that is everything for this week. There are new game releases this week, but the only thing you gotta know about fucking motherfucking Halo Infinite. And, uh, reminder for Games with Gold for December, we've got it's officially new month, so we got The Escapist available all month. We've got Orcs Must Die available for the first half of the month. And then on December 16th, we got Tropico 5 Penultimate Edition and Insanely Twisted Shadow Planet. So download your free games with gold uh, or games that you pay with when you get gold, whatever. And guys, that's going to be a wrap up for this week. I'm looking forward to next week. Got to get this thing edited and out there because this is actually the slow news week. Next week, we got the big chonker. We got the Halo Infinite. We got the Game Awards. We got possibly me telling you about the third time I went to that Japanese restaurant. God, it's so fucking good. Sushi Kichi. Make sure you check it out. Leave them five stars on Google reviews. And speaking of five stars, head on over to iTunes if you're an Apple user. Leave me five stars on the podcast. Please, 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 please help me grow this podcast. Subscribe on YouTube. Please help me get subscribers. I'm desperate for your attention. I need your I need your affirmation. I need your validation. Please and thank you. Follow me on Twitter at Jesse DeRoe so that you can watch me tweet about really nonsensical bullshit that has nothing to do with Xbox. And while you're at it, guys, please follow me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Xbox. Nope, it's twitch.tv slash Lightning Extreme where we stream every Monday night at 8 p.m. Eastern time. We have a great time. A handful of you guys show up. We talk about our feelings. Usually Way of the Loud will then do some breakdancing. It's pretty fucking lit. And guys, I'm just I'm just telling you, it's, it's a great time. Oh, and guys, I'm so sorry. Way of the Loud left a comment as we were recording. I know we can't really get to it at the top of the show, but I'll just plug it in here because I love Way of the Loud. Speaking of the sweet bastard, he says, Bro, how you doing? Man, I took the plunge and I got an Xbox Series X. Unfortunately, I cannot afford to also buy the OLED HDMI 2.1 TV, but it does 120 hertz. That does 120 hertz. Is there any games out there that actually take advantage of this technology? Keep up the good work. Way of the Loud, this is an extra special secret ending just for you. Everyone else can fucking suck a dick. But I do want to tell you, I don't have a TV that does that either. I have a TV that does 120 hertz or 4K, but not both. Few games fully take advantage of it. I feel like this is a feature we're going to see whenever they do like an Xbox Series X version X or whatever. You know, like an Xbox One X type interstitial console upgrade. Because right now, a lot of games seem to make you pick like a performance or visual or fidelity mode. 
where it's like either 4K 60 FPS or 1440p or 1080p with 120 FPS. So you can get a pretty cheap 4K TV that does 4K or 120 FPS, but not both at the same time, and save way more money. That's what that's what I did. I, I don't personally regret it. I know Black Ops Cold War is like the only game I have that's capable of doing both, but I always just pick... I don't know. I usually just leave it set to 4K 60 because I don't give a shit. But you know, you can do whatever you want. If you want to get a good deal, though, I don't. I don't. Don't freak out too much about the 4K TV that can also do 120 FPS at the same exact time. Is it a good way to future proof? Yeah, but is it a big waste of money? Yeah, probably also yeah. So, don't worry about that, man. More importantly, congrats on getting a Series X. I'm happy for you, buddy. Um, hope you enjoy the hell out of that thing, and uh, we'll see you Monday, hopefully, on the stream. But for the rest of you, for everyone, guys, there's a little little taste of the comments there at the end of the show. How'd you like that? Guys, until next week, I want you to do me a favor. Be very hyped about Halo, but at the same time, power your dreams.